My pleasure. Let me let me pray for us as we get going here. Father, Lord, we uh, we come to you as uh, your people who uh, have called, been called to do the work of ministering to your church and shepherding your flock, and uh, in particular teenagers and young people. And Lord, we need wisdom, we need grace, we need mercy, uh, we need you. We need you uh, every bit as much as they do. And and Lord, we, uh, we are thankful for this week here. We're thankful for time together. We're thankful for worship. We're thankful for all the information and teaching that we've received. Uh, may it be a blessing to us in our ministry, and may you use it to further and build your kingdom and bring you glory. Uh, be with us now as we talk about uh, another subset of youth ministry, these volunteers. And uh, uh, Lord, thank you for volunteers, and I pray that you would uh, bless our time now in Christ's name. Amen. 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 So uh, thanks, guys, for coming in. Um, I don't have any idea why I'm teaching this class. <laughs> uh, all I know is that uh, um, uh, I, I really like John and Michael, and, and we've gotten to know each other a lot over the years, and uh, I think they needed a filler, so here we go. Um, I'm going to do uh, this. Uh, so my goal this morning or this afternoon is to, is to kind of go through uh, what we do at Trinity Church. So I'm Scott Heron. I'm the associate pastor of youth and families at Trinity Church in Bozeman, Montana. Uh, Maddie Clark, where's Maddie? There's Maddie. Maddie's our girls director, and then Chloe, her sister, is uh, one of our volunteer leaders. Um, and uh, I'm going to give you a little background on our church. I'm going to tell you what we do. Uh, I think context is important. All of us need to understand the context of where we minister and how we minister in that context. Uh, when it comes to even gaining and recruiting volunteers. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the context of which we're in, and then I'm going to talk about the, um, the, the purpose and the passion purpose uh, in, that, that, a youth, that we look for in a youth leader, how we, how we recruit, uh, and how, some of the things I think we do that kind of keeps our, our volunteer leaders uh, in the ministry. So uh, I... I, I <laughs> I like PowerPoint. PowerPoint like gives you these ideas. If you type in a word now, it like shows you what you could use for a slide. I was like, oh, that's cool. But then I started looking. And I was like, that's actually kind of creepy. It's <laughs> like, where did they go? <laughs> well, let me share some of our, our context. Um, we we're in Bozeman, Montana, um, and uh, Bozeman is um, it's an interesting place. I've been there since 2013, so about eight and a half years. Uh, and actually, th this is my first call to ministry. Uh, I was a high school teacher before that uh, in, in uh, northwest Arkansas. Anybody from Arkansas? Yep, okay. was in Bentonville area, Bentonville High School. Uh, taught there for six years. Um, I had gone to seminary before then um, and at Covenant. And so we get to, we get to Bozeman. I decided to go into pastoral ministry and it's a long story. It's a fun story, but we end up in Montana and, uh, we love it there. Um, but it's, it took me a while to really get a hold of the, 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 um, the cultural context that we we're in. Uh, it's very different than Arkansas, <laughs> uh, very different than probably a lot of where you guys are ministering. Um, but I think uh, you'll enjoy just kind of hearing what, what we've been doing there up in Montana. Um, so let's see. Uh, here's, here's, a, here's a map. <laughs> uh, I, I was hesitant. I was, I was almost going to find a map that didn't have Bozeman on it so none of you would, know, would come visit because that's the cultural attitude of Montana. I'll, I'll share that with you in a second. 
Um, but uh, that's Montana. We are over here in, in uh, southwest Montana. Big skies down that way. A lot of skiing. Um, the most uh, T-Rex bones ever found are in eastern Montana. I think it's something like 85% of the T-Rex, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, archaeological digs are, are in that side of that part of the state. We have several uh, Native American reservations, uh, which is an interesting dynamic for the state as well. Um, lots of historical mining places like uh, Missoula, or excuse me, um, uh, Helena and Butte. Butte's a big mining town. Uh, lots of cattle, lots of agriculture, and lots of tourism. Anybody been to a national park in Montana? Been to Yellowstone or Glacier? Glacier is one of my absolute favorite places in the world to be. I haven't been a ton of places around the world, but Glacier is just like every time I go there, it's just breathtaking. Um, a couple things about Montana. One of the things is it's cold. <laughs> so this is what's called an ice bow. And it actually was on our street. It was like negative 30. And uh, what happens is if there's any moisture in the air at all, it crystallizes at that temperature. And if the sun's at the right angle, it actually creates like a, a bow with ice, like a rainbow, but with ice. It's pretty wild. Negative 30 is, is pretty cold. What's that? I took that picture, yeah. Okay. Okay? I'm okay, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so, so here's some things about Montana. We are third in the nation in consumption of beer, about 45 gallons per person per capita or per year. So, yeah. <laughs> we are uh, first in natural wonder and beauty. That's not an official stat, but... Uh, I, I've talked to lots of people who have been all over the country, and uh, they, they say the same thing. If they've been to Montana, it's, it captures their, there's this mystery about it. They call it Big Sky State for a reason, and it's just, like, I almost get a little, I, I've lived in the, middle, the Midwest, I've lived in Arkansas, so the trees don't bother me too much, but when we go visit my in-laws in Missouri, I get a little claustrophobic uh, in the summertime. It's, it's different, for sure. Uh, but we are first in the nation in suicide rates. Uh, so uh, there's this interesting dynamic. Um, we have this beauty, this natural wonder and beauty. You've got Psalm 19 embodied, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, but you've got a culture of people that are really broken on the inside. And some characteristics about a Montanan. Well, here's Bozeman. Bozeman's only about 46,000 people. Uh, the total metro area, the whole valley is about 120,000 and it's culturally non, non-religious. It's primarily white. It's like 98% white, um, uh, Northern European. And uh, here's some other, some other things. The Western mindset. So this is what you call a Montana traffic jam. <laughs> um, <laughs> we took that one summer. We were going up to, uh, to Flathead Lake. But Montanans are very independent. This is part of what makes um, it so difficult to uh, communicate the gospel. The reason people have moved out west is because they can do it. They're capable. Uh, but it also leads to the highest rate of suicide because you can't share that you're, you're hurting, you're broken, you, you, you don't know what to do with that sadness. And again, the high rate of alcohol consumption plays into that as well. This affects all of our children in, in the youth ministry for sure. Very self-sufficient culture. Uh, very different from the southeast or the south at all. Uh, there's a hospitality about Montanans, but it's also, there's also a suspicion that goes along with that as well, especially if you're an outsider. People are very nice. They're not like, they're not like I've, I've lived near Philly, the city of brotherly love. It's not anything but. 
Um, so there's nothing like that where it's real, um, uh, you know, straightforward or even rude. Uh, but but to, to categorize it, um, because we're surrounded by such wonder and beauty, it, do, it takes a lot to impress a Montanan. And so I remember, like, when we were in Arkansas, and I'd, I'd say, you know, get somebody to say, hey, you want to go have lunch sometime? And, and if they were texting back, they would text back, yeah, that sounds great, three exclamation points. If you text someone in Montana, you want to get lunch sometime, the response is always, sure. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm sorry to inconvenience you. <laughs> so it's just like this whole other uh, attitude. Uh, God is an idea. Uh, uh, Gnosticism um, is a big... Um, uh, that's not agnosticism, Gnosticism, uh, just the idea that God is out there. Uh, it's more like what uh, we learned about this morning, the naturalistic sort of um, religion. I, I wrote a ski lift with a kid. Um, I don't know what grade he was in, but we, were, we just ended, ended up on the ski lift together, and we just started chatting, and um, he had mentioned a few things. I started asking some questions about his life, and he said his parents are scientists. They work for the uh, Montana State University. And, uh, and he's, he just went on and on about science. I'm like, hey, science is a big deal to you, isn't it? He's like, yeah, it's a big deal. I said, well, you know, what about God? Is, is God out there? Does God exist? And he's like, no, there's no God. He said, uh, he said it's, all, it's all science. We can explain everything through science. And clearly this child's been, you know, uh, catechized in this way. Um, but he, uh, he's, I said, well, where does love come from if it's just all science? Like, what is love? You know, where does love come from? He said, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that was his response. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's an interesting culture for sure. It was kind of refreshing in a way to move from Arkansas to Montana because uh, in Arkansas, culturally, everybody's a Christian. Um, and, and so I, I, had a, I had students at, at, at a Bozeman High, or a, 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 where was I, Bentonville High School, who, who I had to kind of convince they weren't Christians before we could actually talk about what it means to be a Christian, because they were tying it all to their politics or their race or whatever it is, just culturally their money, whatever it was, uh, they were culturally a Christian. But in Montana, people are not as they, it's just not a cultural thing. Um, it's not as it's not a godless place, but it's but it's not a place where people are like, yeah, I really need the gospel. You know, it's very different. So it's a little refreshing in that way. Um, there's an idolatry or worship of recreation and creation, for sure. I don't know how many times people say things like, you know, I, I, I found God when I went on the mountain. Like, that's where I find God. Like, I'm not going to come to church because God is on the mountain, right? Um, people are very physically fit. Uh, it's, it's shocking. Uh, I moved there. Um, I, I, I'm only five. <laughs> I'm not a tall guy. I'm five eight. And I was, uh, I was pushing 215 from all the Chick-fil-A in Arkansas that I was consuming, and uh, I got there, and real quickly I realized, yeah, you, you got to fit in. You better do something about that. <laughs> so, uh, and people are very capable, like I said. So this is, this is kind of our context, and they're friendly but suspicious of outsiders. They're also very suspicious of government. Uh, any government overreach, uh, they're just very uh, quick to uh, not be on board with that. So uh, handling COVID in Montana was, was an interesting thing. It was very different than probably what some of you dealt with. Um, here's some more attitudes about Montana. Um, one of the things that you see are these bumper stickers that say, get lost. And it's kind of a play on words because they're saying, you know, 
we really don't want you in Montana. We're trying to be nice about it, so we're, so we're putting in Montana in parentheses, but this is how they really feel, <laughs> right? Get lost somewhere else. Here, here's, a, here, here's an example of this. This was actually a, a poster someone put up in downtown Bozeman. I'll read it while you guys look up here. It says, two tourists, Bozeman is beautiful, right? After all, that's why you're here on vacation. Help keep Bozeman special by adhering these simple rules. Number one, do not tell anyone how nice and great Bozeman is. Keep it your little secret so that the next time it will be the same. Number two, do not buy a retirement home here. Chances are you'll buy a $600,000 home that really should be $250,000, thus driving up real estate prices for people who are really trying hard to eke out a living here. And number three, do not ask where all the cowboys they're con. We heard they all moved to Jackson Hole. Some beer, sincerely. <laughs> Combat tourism. So there's this funny, uh, there's this funny um, combination of, you know, we want people to visit because it's it's money. It means money for our state, but uh, they really don't want people to stay. And it's interesting when I moved there, I judged that sentiment. Like I was like, oh, what's wrong with you? Like we need people. We need, you know, museums and concert venues and all these things. And now I feel like. I feel like this. Yeah, don't come. <laughs> it's horrible. But actually, uh, I, I really, my wife and I love to host, and um, and I mean this sincerely. Like, if any of you want to get my contact, I think Joel's going to be coming up to Bozeman soon. But if any of you want my contact info and you feel like coming to Montana, come. We'll put you up as much as we can. We've got four rooms in our house, so uh, we'd love to. We'd love to host you guys. So, uh, why does all this matter? Well. I think that culturally, um, contexts are, are very important. Your group is culturally different than ours. Uh, uh, how many of you, for example, like how many of you amp up your, like sometimes your, your, your student ministry gets amped up in the summer. You're doing retreats or, or do you guys get going in the summer? Do you do a lot of stuff in the summer? It, would it didn't take me very long to realize that we, we, we can't do anything in the summer. Like, I literally have to shut down youth ministry. Nobody will come. We do a couple of movie nights. We do a kiddie pool kickball event, which is really fun. But that's it. People are, the kids are all gone. They're all at their own camps. People are camping. They're hunting. They're fi or not hunting, but they're fishing. They're recreating all summer long. And so for me to try to do anything weekly would just be a disaster. We'd probably get two or three kids is all. And they probably just moved there from California. <laughs> so it's very different. Um, so you have to know then how that affects your leaders and the type of leader you want and need and how you recruit them might be different than the way we do it. But here are some principles that I've learned over the years. Now somebody asked me, uh, what are the resources that you drew on uh, from this? I think Will, Willis, you asked me, where'd you go? There you are. Uh, what books? So I, I just mentioned that uh, I've just started reading this one alongside. I think this is a great book for leadership um, and leadership growth, leadership development and growth. I think that's a good one. Um, I read Scott Saul's book. Um, I wrote these down somewhere. Hang on. It's, uh, Leader from weakness, strength to weakness, is that right? Is that one? There it is. From weakness to strength, Scott Sauls. And then Understanding Youth Culture by Walt Mueller is a really good one, too. But I primarily what I'm going to uh, share with you guys are the ways we've had success, what we've done, and the things I've learned in eight and a half years of being the youth and family pastor. So I hope that some of these are, are helpful to you. But let me just tell you about who we are real quick. 
we're Trinity Student Ministries. Uh, I started in 2013 with about 15 to 20 students, and there was five of us, including my wife. She was a leader then. Uh, We started 2022 with 110 students and 24 leaders. We have 11 high school students and 13 adults. So I started this high school school kid leadership program where they are helping with the junior high kids. Uh, And it's, I'm not sure if it's working or not, but I, but we're doing it. (laughs) Yep. 11 high school students students are serving as leaders over the junior high. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And we've had longevity in church and youth staff in in the church itself. Um, We have Brian, who's a pastor there, Brian Clark. He's been there 21 years. Uh, Jeff's been there 17 years. I've been there eight and a half years. Sarah, our office admin who just uh, resigned, had been there 10 years. And our worships director uh, has been there uh, 12 years. So there's a lot of longevity in the church anyway. But here's what that looks like with uh, our volunteer staff. And I, I mentioned how we stopped for the summer. So in eight and a half years, we've, I've had 48 different leaders. The age range has been 18 to 55 years old, totaling 159 years of service. Uh, and the average stay for a leader is three and a half years. And seven have been with us for over seven years. These are volunteers. So I don't know what a good uh, record is for a church to have how long a leader stays. But I do know that uh, the average youth pastor only sticks around for 18 months to a year. So I think this is pretty decent to have someone serve for an average of three and a half years uh, is, is such a blessing to us. Does that make sense to everybody? Do these you make sense how long we've had somebody? Um, and I've had people that came on board when I got there who were with me all the way up through last year. They took a year off, and now they're back serving again, uh, which should be their eighth year with us. So uh, I really, really am thankful for our volunteers. Um, our structure, uh, we do Wednesday nights. You know, when I got there, it was 2013. I was still kind of stuck in the in the uh, 90s version of youth group. And so I was like, well, youth group's on Wednesday. Let's do Wednesday. Like, I didn't really think through it at all. <laughs> I just sort of did it, did it Wednesday nights. But it works out well in Montana to do it Wednesdays. We do a junior high from 6 to 7 with dinner three times a month. So we only do junior high three times a month. We don't do it every Wednesday. We always take the last Wednesday off when it comes to junior high. Uh, High school is from 7.30 to 9.30, but they really don't leave till about 10.30. And then the goal is always leaders start with a group uh, grade and gender specific and stay with them through graduation. So potentially you could be with your kids for seven years, right? Um, now, why do I tell you all this? I tell you because I think that this actually plays into why some of our leaders have stuck around so long um, because of the way we've structured it. And just a couple of other details. Um, over the years, I've learned a couple of things. One is um, high school kids aren't really fired up about uh, um, organized games. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are finding this or not. Maybe you're not in your context, but in ours, they just really don't care about the organized game, especially if it's silly. There's sort of like this air about them that they're like, you know, I really don't want to do that anymore. So instead of forcing the games, uh, so a couple things. One, and, and again, this plays into the leaders because I think leaders are feeling feel the same way at some level. Um, and, and it helps them, um, helps them, I think, have more freedom and want to stay on longer. So one of the things that I've, I've found over the years is that we would do the games or activities right away. We do it the first thing uh, and in the evening. 
And a couple of things were happening. I was noticing over the years that leaders were showing up later and later. Uh, they were skipping the game time. And then students were showing up later and later and skipping the game time. And so we were only about have, running about half the kids and for the, for the first half an hour. It's like, well, that doesn't work. That's no good. I don't like that. Uh, so we started to think through it a little bit. And what we've done is the way we structured is if, junior, if youth care starts at 6, that's when we're starting. So I, I gather the kids at 6 p.m., I pray, and we eat dinner. Now, it works well with junior high because they can trickle in and sort of, uh, you know, get their food and eat well, because everybody shows up by like 6.15 or 6.20, eat dinner, and then we do the rest of the evening. The high school, 7.30, we start worship at 7.30 in the performance hall at the school we rent, uh, and then we do worship teaching, prayer groups. For junior high, we do dinner uh, teaching, prayer groups. But at the end is when we do some physical activity. Now, with junior high, uh, what we've been doing is kind of letting them do a free game kind of play on their own. But every once in a while, we'll organize like kickball or dodgeball, things like that. And what we found is that the kids kind of look at it like a reward. Like they've done the, they've done the youth group thing. We've done the worship, the teaching, the prayer. Let's go play now, right? Uh, and then the high school is the same way. And we do it at the end. And the reason we do it at the end is because... You, then the hangout time, what we've basically done is structured a half an hour where they can kind of do what they want. They can, ha they can play in the gym. They can shoot baskets. They can play volleyball. They can organize a game with their friends. They can throw the frisbee. They can go outside and shoot baskets there. They can, they, there's this chill period for 30 minutes. Uh, and instead of doing it at the beginning when it always ran into the worship time and then our worship and prayer time ran into the time the parents were picking them up, now... If the parents come and pick them up and the kid isn't out there, we blame it on the kid <laughs> because they've been hanging out in the gym with their friends for a long time. And so it seems like it's working. You could talk to Maddie and Chloe about it too, but I, I feel like uh, that's really helped uh, the structure of the evening. And the other thing is leaders can leave right at 8.30. Uh, well, actually, it would be 9 o'clock. If they want to get out of there, I don't make them stay and play games. I don't make them stay and play dodgeball or basketball because I have leaders that don't care about that stuff. And so if they want to go home, they're ready to get home, go home. Like we can manage the kids in the gym in that, in that way. So does that make sense? So that's just one of the couple of things that we've done that I think has, has kind of inspired uh, leaders to stick around a little bit. Uh, let's see. Um, I, I, I want you to know that um, I really wasn't kind of kidding when I said I don't I don't honestly know why I'm teaching leadership. Some of you probably have better uh, um, uh, stats when it comes to your leaders. I don't know. Maybe some of you have better tips. And I want to spend time at the end doing a question and answer, and, and I want you guys to share, too, what things that you do. But um, some of the things I've done wrong, because <laughs> I think that's important, uh, I, I used to try to I'd say, okay, guys, we're going to go through a book, and I'd, everybody buy... Understanding Youth Culture by Walt Mueller, and we're going to read it together, and we're going to discuss it at youth leader training meetings. No, just <laughs> tanks, right? Uh, I it just didn't work. I don't follow up on it. I'm already busy. Uh, I can't find time on the calendar, and I'm just kind of like hoping that they don't bring it up again. <laughs> Wait, what about that book you told us to read? You know, um, I I say I want to meet with everyone one on one, um, but. It doesn't always work out. Uh, I, I'm not. I I, I failed uh, at following up with that each semester. 
Um, I, I'm slow to get people background checks and safety policy signed and turned in. Um, Maddie's helping me with that now. <laughs> uh, and I've responded poorly um, when people uh, don't show up to things um, the way I think that they should. I had one gal tell me uh, very straightforwardly, she said, Scott, I'm a volunteer. I'm going to show up when I can get there. Like, be thankful for that. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I appreciated her uh, straightforwardness. Um, so, I, yeah, I've made lots of mistakes. The Lord has blessed us and our efforts. So what do we do? Uh, I want to share with you the process for finding, and then I've, I've shared a little bit of what, how we keep them, but... And then I want to show you, show you the passion, posture, and purpose of a youth volunteer. So what's our process? <clears throat> Future leaders are current leaders. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, we have a policy at Trinity Church where we get a deacon or an elder that we don't, we don't go looking for a deacon and elder. Uh, we find people who are already deaconing and eldering, if that makes sense. Uh, and then the nomination process kind of goes from there. Uh, in the same way, I'm, I'm looking for those kids. If it's a high school kid that I think could work with junior high, I'm looking for those kids that just have a real interest in people. Um, they help clean up after the youth group's over. They say to me things like, hey, what can I do to help? Or uh, they'll say thank you after a teaching or a prayer time or after I've spent my time doing something for them. Uh, so they're leading in some capacity, right? Um, by the way, there's lots of, there's lots of ways to do this. I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a, who works with Crew, Campus Crusade, and the way they find leaders is they, they find people to love, they find people who are the learners, they find the laborers, and then they make them a leader. So there's all, you know, they use a lot of acronyms. There's a lot of ways to do this, but we do future leaders are current leaders. Now, I will say this, though, real quickly. Sometimes, though, because I've been really surprised by some leaders, I don't want you to, I don't want you to think that um, the only person that can lead youth group is the one that's leading right now, because sometimes I'll pick a kid out who I think just needs to spend more time with me or more time with our community. And I'll say, hey, why don't you come to junior high and you can help me set up tables or you can help me sweep the floor. You can help me, like, give them specific tasks to do. Uh, and, and I've been surprised before. Like, they actually come around on the spiritual side of things and begin to develop some leadership gifts and roles that way. But generally speaking, it's a good idea to have someone who's already leading in some way. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is kind of one of my, I, I don't know how I came up with this, but I just, I want to be with the person that I'm with when, when it comes to leaders. We do a, um, a debrief. Uh, we'll do a debrief a couple times a year where we go to Buffalo Wild Wings, and we'll take all the leaders, and high school kids and, and adults. We'll go to Buffalo Wild Wings after a Wednesday night, and we'll just hang out, just eat food, grab some drinks. And, and what I found over the time is, like, we have a great time together. Like, we really like being with one another. Uh, and, and that's a blessing. Uh, it's not like I wouldn't pick somebody, an adult leader, uh, that I, I'm not real close to, but at least it would be someone who I really like to, to hang out with and we can share some common interests. Uh, and then the church member thing is like really the way I should have started. It's the foundation. Like you, If you're not a church member or on your way to becoming a church member, um, then uh, you know we'll, you're not going to be qualified to be a leader yet. But I've seen people who weren't church members who I've said that to, and they become church members because of the youth ministry. And then uh, uh, recruiting. When I recruit, uh, it's always always one on one. Let's see where I'm at over here. Uh, it's always one on one. 
I've announced from the pulpit before. I don't know if you guys have ever done this. You've announced from the pulpit or had somebody announce from the pulpit. Hey, if anybody out there wants to be a youth leader, come talk to me after the